Thanks very much. Elul is a time to work on your ego, and uh, this is working for me. Um, and uh, the consolation I have is that, of course, this has been broadcast, and there are 25 million people worldwide watching it. Um, actually, I lied. It's not true. It's only about 15 million. But in any case, uh, the uh, subject for this morning I want to talk about is, does God have to forgive us? Meaning... Let's first of all start, and those who have the outlines do not get intimidated by the Hebrew. Everything will be translated into English. The outlines are only there so that you can look at the sources, draw your own conclusion, which may be different from mine. Of course, if it is, it will be wrong. But it may be different from mine, and uh, feel free to look at the sources, understand it yourself. And oisios, uh, meirois, letters sometimes also help us to understand and absorb information. So... Uh, a good friend of mine uh, was uh, studying Hamlet with his son recently, and uh, he, sent me, uh, he sent me a great quote uh, from Hamlet, Act 3, Scene 3, which I think is just really expresses it so well, as only Shakespeare can do, uh, where he talks about, My fault is past, but oh, what form of prayer can serve my turn? Forgive me my foul murder. That cannot be, since I'm still possessed of the effects for which I did the murder. Right? He asks, how could it be that I can repent when I'm still benefiting from what I caused in terms of the sin? The effects of the sin are still here. How can God accept my repentance? He says, uh, he goes, I'm not going to quote the whole thing. I don't want people's eyes to glaze over. Right? But uh, as he points out, um, what can it be when one cannot repent? Right. Bow stubborn knees and heart with strings of steel, be soft as sinews. My words fly up, my thoughts remain below. Words without thoughts never to heaven go. Uh, and one of the things he is saying here, I believe, at least, that Shakespeare is alluding here to the Masil Shorim, no doubt. Uh, the Masil Shorim, Ramoshachayim Lozato, tells us that, as we know, the world of nature was created, as we say, al-pimidas hadin, in the attribute of God's justice. Bereshis, bora elokim, in the beginning God created. The term used for God there is elokim, which means midas hadin, the attribute of justice. Because nature and the laws of nature are all functioning on a justice level, meaning that the consequences of running afoul of the laws of nature are immediate, far-reaching and without pity. Right? As you know, a person sticks their hand in fire, they will immediately get burnt. They can't take their hand out and say, oh, I didn't realize, and then suddenly, miraculously, the blisters disappear. Right? They cannot come along and say, but I was always educated to believe that fire is fuzzy and warm and, and, and wonderful. I didn't know that it would burn, and then suddenly it doesn't burn. There's no such thing. In nature, there's no possibility of leeway there. And the effect of the mistake is immediate, the effect of the mistake is very far-reaching, and there is no possibility of regret here. So the Masil Sashon points out, he says, what that Lefishura Sadin Mamash, according to the strict rules of justice, it would be appropriate that the person who did the sin should immediately be punished for that. Immediate juxtaposed with his sin without any waiting period. Vagam, in addition to that, ha'onesh atzmo yihyeh becharon, the punishment should be complete. Because this person 
has transgressed a law of the universe, a law of God, a rebellion against Hashem. Consequently, the punishment should be total. And, as would be appropriate for someone who rebels against God. And third, the attribute of justice says you can't correct it. You cannot correct it. He says, why? How can a person correct what he has done in past? The sin has already been done, as Hamlet's uncle pointed out. A person who murdered his friend, obviously not a close friend, but he murdered his friend, one who committed adultery, how can he possibly correct this idea? Can you possibly remove the action from reality? The action is already there. It's in reality. It has had its impact. That is what Midas Hadin should tell us. Midas Hadin means the, act, the punishment is immediate, is full, and there's no possibility of reversal. However, the Ramchal points out, Ramosha Chaim Ozato points out, that Midas Harachamim, the attribute of mercy, negates or rather obviates the effect of these three ideas in Midas Adin. That is to say, the attribute of Rachamim, of mercy, tells us the following, as he points out in the second paragraph there, Midas HaRachamim, the attribute of mercy, Hianosenes, enables Hefech HaShloshedvorim, the opposite of the three things we just mentioned. That is to say, first and foremost, Jiten Zman it gives time for the sin. Meaning, Midas HaRachamim, the attribute of mercy, means that the consequences of my action are not immediate. There's a buffer zone. There's a time in between the action, the cause, and the effect. There's a possibility. It's not immediate. Secondly, he says, Repentance, the possibility of correction of the past, is given to the sinner as a complete act of kindness of God. That is to say, So that uprooting my desire to do the evil, regretting the evil that I did, is the equivalent of erasing it from the past. Uprooting it from the past. And third, that the punishment, that the punishment will not be complete. Complete oblivion. So there's three components of Midas Harachamim of the attribute of mercy, which is number one, that there's a possibility of correction. Number two, the punishment is not total. Number three, the punishment's not immediate. The Ramchal does not say this, but this is alluded to in the verse. God is merciful. He allows for atonement of the sin. He allows for tshuva. He doesn't totally destroy he holds back his anger, and he doesn't, he doesn't apply the entire punishment. So we see those exact ideas in that verse, just parenthetically, the altar of Slobodka asked, this is a famous question, the first Mariv after Yom Kippur, First Mariv, after Yom Kippur, we say in Mariv, evening service, we say, Avon 
Hashem is merciful, He'll forgive our sins, He won't destroy us. So the common question asked is, why is it that immediately after Yom Kippur we need to say Behuracham? I mean, it's Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, we've just been forgiven, Slicha or Mechila, right, Shuvah, etc. A second after Yom Kippur, we're already standing in the same So the standard answer, which may be correct, the standard answer is that since this is the standard form, Nusach, of the prayer, we don't change it just because it happens to be Motzei Yom Kippur. We don't change it. The altar of Slobodka's answer, he says the following. He says, look in Tehillim in the Posach before Vihurachum. If you look in Tehillim in the verse preceding Vihurachum, it says... In their heart, in their mouth and their tongues, they are close to me, but their heart's far away. I think is the verse. In other words, they seduce me with their words, but their hearts are far away. So the altar of Sabodka, it's a little cynical, but it may be true, says, you know what? What may be the sin that you have to atone for right after Yom Kippur? You said something, you didn't mean it. So uh, in any case... However, the Hurachum Yechaperavon involves those three things. He's Yechaperavon Veloyashis, he allows for tshuva, he doesn't destroy. Here by Lahashivapo, he holds back the anger, it's not immediate. The, and similarly, Veloyair Kol Hamaso, and his entire anger does not descend upon us. And so, therefore, very clear from the Masilis Yeshorim, as he says, that. God forgiving us, allowing us the possibility of tshuva, is an act of pure chesed, kindness of Hashem, an act of rachamim, an act of ultimate mercy. The problem here, which is raised by Rabbi Hanan Wasserman, and also earlier by the Sefer Ikram of Yosef Albo, is the following. If we look at the second source, number two, the Gemara says the following. It's de- deriving this from a verse... In Yechezkel, the verse in Yechezkel says, Tzidkas HaTzadik lotatzilenu beyom pish'o. The righteousness of a righteous person will not save him on the day that he commits a sin. What does that verse mean? The righteousness of a person won't save him on the day of his sin. So the Talmud says the following, Even if a person was a complete tzadik, a totally righteous, his entire life, and he sinned at the last moment, he loses all his merit. The Gemara asks, it's not fair. Why should it be? Why should he lose all his, all, all his merit? At least look at him as bainani, half-half, half merit, half sin, but loses everything. The Gemara answers, Reish Lakish says, it refers to a person who is toher al-harishonot. He regrets all the good that he did. Rashi says, mitcharet he regrets all the good that he's done. He regrets everything he's done. So now, granted, the person who is righteous their entire life, and they do a sin at the end, they don't lose everything. They don't lose everything. But the person who is righteous their entire life, and at the end they regret all the good that they've done, such a person loses all the reward, all the merit, the Gemara says, for all the good that he may have done. So that is quite a major statement. The Gemara says the other side of the coin is, as also in Yechezkel, it says, Rishas harasha, lo shuvo mirisho. And the evil of an evil person, he won't stumble in it on the day that he turns away from it. Meaning that he also, if he regrets everything he did in his life, which is evil, it won't be a stumbling block and he won't be punished for it. 
Okay, so is this clear so far what the Talmud says? The Talmud is saying that if a person is a good person, they did a lot of good stuff during their life, and at the end of their life, they regret all the good that they've done, such a person loses all the merit for what they have done. Very, very heavy, right? If you regret having done a mitzvah, right? That is, I, I think I quoted this last year, but Mark Twain uh, puts it this way. He says, you know, he says, if we would regret the bad things that we've done to good people, as much as we regretted the good things that we've done for bad people, we'd be fine. <laughs> Great statement. You know, what, hurt, what do we regret more? I can't believe I did that creepo the favor. Right? Never once did he say thank you. He avoids me in shul. Nothing. Right? I mean, the regret is profound, isn't it? Right? But I did something bad to someone who's a nice guy. Okay, oh, it's not, not such a good thing. Oh, okay, next. Right? It's like, <laughs> Halavai, as Mark Twain says, they should be equal. Right? Anyway, um, now, so the idea here is the Talmud says that the person who regrets the good that he's done loses all the merit. So now the question should be really bothering us at this point. We should be sitting here saying, what the? <gasps> right? I don't see anyone gasping. But I mean, the question here is what? The question here is the following. This is how Rabbi Hanan Wasserman puts it. He says, if when a person regrets the good stuff they've done, they lose the reward, he says, then justice dictates that if you regret the bad stuff, you shouldn't be punished. Is that kindness or is that justice? Think of it the following way. Can Hashem have it both ways? Can he say this? Right, if you regret the good stuff you've done, you don't get rewarded. But if you regret the bad stuff, you'll still get punished, if not for my kindness. Where's the kindness? That's not chesed, it's justice. To, if, imagine if it would be the following way. You only lose reward if you regret the action. But you don't lose the punishment if you regret the action. That wouldn't be fair. And certainly, if the person who regrets his good, his mitzvahs, that he did, right, and he loses the reward for those mitzvahs, would you describe that as midas harachamim or midas adin? Is that mercy or justice? That's justice. That's not mercy. Right? He regrets the actions he did. He loses the reward. So by the same token, you regret the actions you did, you lose the punishment. If so, Rabbi Hanan asks, he asked this to his teacher, the Chafetz Chaim, if so, why is it, why is it a chesed, why is it a kindness of Hashem to forgive us? Where's the kindness? We deserve, I regret it, I should be forgiven. I don't regret it, I'm not forgiven. So this is the problem. The Rabbi Hanan Vassaman says, he asked his Rebbe, his teacher, the Chafetz Chaim. So, and by the way, this ruling that the Gemara uh, mentions is actually in Maimonides. The Rambam says, the Rambam puts it this way, number three, anyone who regrets the commandments that he has done, and he is in wonderment, he doesn't, he, he, why did I do all this regarding the merits? The Omar Belibo, and he says in his heart, Mahoalti Baasiasam, what did I accomplish by doing them? Halavai La I wish I would not have done them. Hareza Ibaid es kulam, he has lost them all. Shum and no merits of any of the good that he's done 
is mentioned for him in the judgment of Rosh Hashanah. Shenemar, and he quotes the verse in Yechezkel, The righteousness of the person shall not save him on the day of his evil rebellion. So this is the problem that we have. We always understand tshuva, as the Ramchal says, as an attribute of God's mercy, as an attribute of God's kindness, and yet we find a parallel case in regretting mitzvahs, which certainly is not kindness, certainly is not rachamim, mercy. It seems to be just an attribute of justice. So the Chafetz Chaim responded with two ideas. The Chafetz Chaim answered Rabbi Hanaman and he said, Rabbi Hanaman and he said the following. First of all, he said, quoting the Gemara in Yuma, number four, where the Gemara says that there's two types of tshuva, two types of repentance. There's tshuva me'ahava, a person regrets what they did because they love God and they don't want to lose the relationship. And there's tshuva me'yira, the person regrets because they don't want the punishment. Now both of those are accepted. Hashem accepts both tshuva out of love and tshuva out of fear. However, there is a difference. The Gemara says in tshuva me'ahava, tshuva out of love, the sins become merits. So the Chafetz Chaim said the following. He says, if you did tshuva, me'ahava, if you regretted what you did because you, are, the, you, you broke the relationship, you love Hashem, you, you feel bad that you offended Him, you want to you reconnect with the relationship, tshuva, me'ahava, he's such a situation, he says, not only are you forgiven, not only do you lose the punishment, but in addition, the sins you did are now Zechuyos, they merits. Chafetz Chaim said, isn't that Midasach That is certainly kindness. Because think of the parallel case. If you regretted your mitzvahs, do they become like Averis? they become sins? No. All the Gemara says is, if you regret mitzvahs, you don't get reward. But it doesn't become a sin. So justice would say that if I regret my sins, I don't get punished. However, what does kindness say? Not only do you not get punished, but they're counted as Zechuyos as merits. Just by the way, parenthetically, how do they become merits? How do they become a zchus? I mean, I did a sin, and now it's a merit. How does that suddenly, I understand it's being erased, but how does it become a, a, a good thing? So Rav Hutner's explanation for this is the following. He says, because when you do a sin, when a person does a sin, they've created a vacuum, a gap between them and Hashem. There's an area of their personality, an area of their soul, which is now, has, it's a halal. It is an empty space. It's empty of God. He says, when the person, until the person has done tshuva, that space is like a vacuum. When the person does tshuva, the, spa- the vacuum, he says, turns into a kli kibble. It turns into a receptacle. He says, a vacuum doesn't get filled. A kli, a utensil, a vessel gets filled. He says, because now that the person does tshuva, every gap, and distance between them and Hashem is now another opportunity to fill it with kirvas Hashem, with closeness to Hashem. So the truth is, the failings become advantages. Because really, the more distant I am, the more space and vacuum there is within me, then the greater is my desire to fill that with closeness to Hashem. So he says, the Averois, the sins become zchuyos, become merits. The disadvantages become advantages. The vacuum becomes a utensil, becomes a clea, 
That's how he puts it. Very beautiful, very poetic. So now, the Chavetz Chaim says, look, if the person is repenting out of love, then the fact that, the fact that he is forgiven, that is din. That's justice. But the fact that his sins become merits, that is God's chesed, that is Hashem's kindness. And the Chavetz Chaim added, what about Shuva Meira? What if I repent out of fear of punishment? The Chavetz Chaim says, the very fact that that is even accepted as Shuva is a chesed. How can, I mean, think of it. Is it, even, is it even Shuva at all? Let's say I tell my kid, listen, you cannot play baseball in this particular area. Anywhere else you can play baseball except this area. Obviously, if you say that, what will the kid do? They'll be playing baseball. They'll be drawn like a magnet towards that. They're like moving. You know, suddenly the whole baseball field is like moving slowly towards the area. And of course, when they play baseball, they break the window. They break a window. Inevitable. So I, tell, so, so I say, uh, look, you broke the window. I'm going to have to take this off your allowance to pay for the window, especially since I told you that you cannot play there. And you broke the window coming off your allowance. So, okay. The next week, kid comes over to me and he says, I'm really sorry. I said, oh, that's good. He says, I really regret the loss of allowance that this has caused me. <laughs> I just feel so terrible that I'm not getting my full allowance. And that's why I feel bad about this. And I as a parent say, oh, you know what? All is forgiven. Would any parent forgive a kid if they said that? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I'd say, uh, you know, I'm not sure what I would do at that point. But I mean, forgiveness? It's not even tshuva. You don't regret the action. You just regret. I regret that what I did caused me pain. <laughs> I mean, if someone apologized to you and said, look, I'm really, really sorry for having done that because it caused me major problems. <laughs> My anger towards you has been eating away at me. Right, uh, it, the fact that I hit you was really not productive for my anger control. And I feel that, that really the whole thing was, it was just a mistake for me to hit you. You know, I probably should have done something else to you, maybe, maybe uh, you get you thrown out of the shawl or something like that. But, but hitting you, that was really wrong. Right. So you see, the fact that Chafetz Chaim says, the fact that Hashem, Hashem, however, accepts it when I regret because I don't like the punishment, I don't want the punishment. Chavetz Haim says, what greater chesed or kindness of rachamim or mercy could there be than God accepting tshuva meyira? So the Chavetz Haim has two beautiful insights which answer Rabbi Hanan's question. Insight number one, if it's tshuva out of love, you've turned the avarus into schuyas, you've turned the sins into merits. That is kindness. And number two, tshuva meyira, that you've repented out of fear of punishment, that is clearly a kindness of God. The very fact that he accepts it at all is clearly Hashem's kindness. So those are the two answers that the Chavetz Chaim gave to Rebbe Chonon. And despite the fact that Rebbe Chonon was the Chavetz Chaim's greatest student, he did not like the answers. And he didn't accept them. And indeed, I should point out, again, parenthetically, there's a lot of parentheses, right? But again, parenthetically, the Mishnah says in Pirkei Ovis, Ethics of the Fathers, it says, it says, Let your house be a gathering place for the sages. And you should, now the standard translation of that is, I think the art scroll, you should cling to the dust of their feet. Cling to the dust of their feet. But actually, Rub Chaim Velozhina in Ruach HaChaim says, Misabek doesn't mean to cling. 
Misabek comes from the word Vayavek Ish Imo, right? Yaakov wrestles with the angel. It says Vayavek Ish Imo Ad Alois Hashachar. A man struggle wrestled with him. So the Ruchaim Velozhin says, you know what it means? Misabek Ba'afaraglehem. It means to struggle with their words. Do it with humility at the dust of their feet, but you have to struggle with their words. And Ruchaim Velozhin says in his commentary to Pirkei Ovis, he says, Osur l'talmid l'kabelas divrei rabo in yesh l'kushyos alehem. It is prohibited for the student to accept the words of his teacher if he's got a question on it. So Rabbi Khanan had a question and he didn't accept the Chafetz Chaim's words. His question was the following. He says, because according to the way the Chafetz Chaim seems to understand it, teshuvah, forgiveness, in and of itself, is not chesed, it's not kindness. It's minasadim, it's justice. He says, it's just the ancillaries of it. The fact that the avera, the sin, becomes a merit, that's kindness. Or the fact that meyira is accepted, that's kindness. But the fact of teshuvah, that I regret the action and I'm forgiven, that's not kindness. But if you look back at the words of Rabbi Moshe Chaim Luzato in Masil Sishorim, Rabbi Chana Basman says, that's clearly not so. Because in the Masil Sishorim, what, Vas, what, what the Ramchal says is that the very fact that Akiras Harotzon, uprooting my desire to do the sin, equals Akiras Hamaisa, uproots the action, that in itself is a chesed. That's not what the Chafetz Haim said. So Rabbachanan Vasman offers another answer. The answer he offers is the following, and is based on the words of the Ramchal himself. It's in Derech Hashem, it's number six on the outline. Uh, in Derech Hashem, the Ramchal points out the following. He says that the actions that we do, the mitzvahs that we do, and the sins that of course we don't do, right? those mitzvahs have two components. He says every mitzvah has a ta'am, has a reason, has a tikkun, has a, a, an element in which it, it helps us achieve perfection, shleimus, growth, closest to Hashem. Every mitzvah even if we wouldn't be commanded in the mitzvah, it would be a good idea to do it. If Hashem wouldn't tell me to do this, it would still be a good idea to do it because of the fact of what it does for my soul, what it does for the world, what it does for my relationships, what it does for my relationship with Hashem, with other people, with my own soul. Every mitzvah is like that. Even the chukim, even the statutes have reasons. We don't know the reasons, but they have reasons. As the Ramban said in last week's parasha, I quoted it here in number five, in which he quotes the Rambam, Maimonides, in Guide for the Perplexed. He says, That which Maimonides decrees, that all commandments have a reason. He says, is very, very clear. Very clear. Every single one of them has a reason, a value, and contributes to human perfection. Aside from the reward from the fact that Hashem commanded them. So the Ramban, and he agreeing strongly with the Ramban, very unusual, right? He doesn't usually agree strongly with the Ramban, right? It's actually one of the, I just heard recently a, a proof of the existence of Hashem, is that the Rambam, uh, Maimonides, Paskins, in Mishnah Torah, that God exists, and the Raivad doesn't disagree. You know, it's actually, so anyway, so now, but the, here the Ramban says the following. The Ramban says that every mitzvah has two components. This is what the Derech Hashem and the Ramban are saying the same idea. Every mitzvah has two components. Number one, there is the contribution that it makes 
to my perfection, the contribution that it makes to the world and to the human, to the person who's doing it. And for that reason alone, it would be worthwhile doing them even if we weren't commanded like our ancestors, Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, Valeah, performed the mitzvahs before they were commanded. Why did they perform them? They weren't commanded. The answer is very simple. Because in each of them, they were, they were sensitive, enough, sensitive enough to see the value of the mitzvah, even though it wasn't revealed to them. They could see the value of the mitzvah in the world, and hence they did it, Eina Mitzvah, even though they were not commanded. However, in addition to the value of the commandments, there is the added component, which is that Hashem commanded them. Which means, we are commanded by Hashem to do it, which means even if there wouldn't be a value in it, I'd still have to do it because Hashem commanded me to do so. God has the moral right to command me to do it. So, and I deserve reward for listening to God, obedience. So, is it clear the two components? There is on the one hand, the idea of the value of the, of the mitzvah in what it contributes to myself in the world. And on the other hand, there is the fact that I'm fulfilling the words of the Creator. I'm fulfilling the command of God. Very, very clear. I'll give you an example of that. The Imre Bina, Rav Meir Orbach. Rav Meir Orbach was the Rav of Yerushalayim. Uh, I, I'm exactly when, probably a little over 100 years ago, I guess. I think he was the, he was the grandfather of Rav Shlomo Zalman. I think, not absolutely certain on the genealogy here. But Rav Meir Orbach wrote a book called Imre Bina. In his book Imre Bina, uh, someone asked him the following question. They asked him, um, they said, don't understand something. The Ramah in Shulchan Aruch, Code of Jewish Law says that if I help, if I support someone who's studying Torah, I share in the reward that they receive for Torah study. I'm sure you've all heard of this arrangement. Yisachar Zvulun, the tribe of Yisachar, studied Torah. The tribe of Zvulun were great business people. They supported the tribe of Yisachar and they shared in their reward for, for, for studying Torah. So they asked, so someone asked the Imre that Rav Haigaon, one of the great sages, well before the Code of Jewish Law, Rav Haigaon lived in around the 9th century, I think it is. Rav Haigaon says, you can, someone asked Rav Haigaon if they can share their reward with someone else. He said, what do you think reward is? Some commodity on the Chicago Merc? What is it, futures trade? Pork bellies, Olam Haba, right? Cocoa futures, Gehinnom. I mean, what? Rav Haigon says, how can you, what do you mean? You can't trade your reward. You can't sell it. It's not a commodity. It's the reward of the mitzvah. How can you sell it? So someone asked Rav Meir Orbach, how can you reconcile these two views? I mean, didn't Rav Haigon, wasn't he aware of Yisachar's Zvulun? Was Rav Haigon not familiar with the many Midrashim that say that such a thing is possible? And was the Code of Jewish Law not familiar with Rav Haigon? Is the question clear? So the Imre Bina of Meir Orbach has a beautiful answer, which is along the lines of the Ramchal in Derech Hashem. He says the following, there's no argument here. He says there are two distinct types of reward that a person gets for a mitzvah. And there are two distinct types of punishment that a person gets for doing a sin. Which is the following. I'll give you an analogy. A little, you take your kid to the doctor. The kid needs to get a shot, an inoculation. And the kid comes in, the doctor's standing there with his huge needle. And he says, come here. Right? And, he says, right? and, uh, and the kid says, ah! Right? And he starts running around the surgery and he's knocking over things. And, and like, he's not going to sit quietly for this. He's not going to take it quietly. Right? He's not going to go quietly. 
Right? There's going to be resistance here. So the doctor says, he says, listen. He says, the kid's on the other side of the surgery. The doctor's standing there. He says, listen, if you sit quietly and let me give you the shot, I will give you this huge lollipop. One of those all-day, what do they call all-day suckers, right? This huge lollipop. Yeah, good, looks good. Kid says, hmm. Okay, fine. It's a deal. So the kid sits down. He gives him the shot. He gets the lollipop. Now, the Imre Binna says, this child has received two rewards. Correct? Reward number one, they're inoculated against some terrible illness. They're a healthier person. Reward number two is, they got a lollipop for listening to the doctor. Correct? Can they trade the lollipop? They get to school and they come to school and they say, oh, you've got broccoli. Can I have the broccoli for the lollipop? Right? My six, believe it or not, my six-year-old would do that. Right? He hates candy. Hates candy. He goes in school. The candy man says to him, you want some candy? He says, no, don't like candy. He says, what do you like? He says, broccoli. Uh, whatever. Anyway, it's definitely not genetic. I can tell you that. So, so the kid, can the kid trade the lollipop? Of course he can. He can give it away. He can give it back. He can choose not to eat it, etc. How about the inoculation? Can he trade that? Of course not. Can he give that away? Of course not. That's within him. That's part of him. So the Imre of Meir Orbach says the following. He says, when a person does a mitzvah, there are two aspects to the reward. A, the inoculation, the therapeutic nature of the mitzvah to the soul, what he calls sechar seguli, the segula aspect of the reward. In other words, the unique properties of the mitzvah, like the inoculation. And in addition, he says, you were listened to God. So you deserve reward for that, and that he calls schar gimuli, what I would translate as obedience reward. Okay? So the schar tv, schar seguli, the intrinsic qualitative reward, and the schar gimuli, which is the obedience reward. By the same token, a person does a sin, there are two components to the punishment. A, whatever corruption the sin is created in the soul, the stain on the soul that cannot be taken away, right? And in addition, there is also the fact that he rebelled against Hashem. He is a rebe- he's a rebel. So now, that's the Imre Binah. And the Imre Binah says, the Shulchan Aruch, when the Code of Jewish Law says, I can share in someone's reward if I support them in doing a mitzvah, in the case that he's talking about his Torah study, he says, you know what reward I can share? Schar gemuli, meaning the lollipop, the obedience. Because as he is obedient to Hashem for learning Torah, I am obedient equally by helping him to learn Torah. The obedience factor is totally equal, correct? He says, however, the inoculation, the impact, the skula, the quality of Torah study, of what it does to my soul, he says that cannot be shared. That's what Rav Haigon is talking about. So Rav Haigon says it's not a commodity, you can't share it. He's talking about the inoculation, the shot. The Shulchan Aruch who says you can share it, he's talking about the obedience. That's Rav Meir Orbach. And this is what the Ramchal, Derech Hashem, in number six, says as well. He says there's two components to every mitzvah. The tam of the mitzvah, the tikkun, what he calls the tikkun, the perfection of the mitzvah. And secondly, he says 
that he has listened to Hashem. Now, based on this idea in the Ramchal and in the uh, Imre Bina of Rav Meir Orbach, Rabbi Hanan Vassman, he only quotes the Ramchal, does not quote Rav Meir Orbach, right? But Rabbi Hanan Vassman says the following. He says, now this is the answer. The answer is this. You see, when you regret a mitzvah, he says, what do you lose? Which aspect of reward are you losing? Have you lost the effect of the mitzvah? Have you lost the impact of the mitzvah on the world? Have you lost the inoculation? Or have you lost the lollipop? Because now you're no longer obedient. You regret having listened to God. You're a rebel now. He says you lose schar gemuli. You lose that component of the reward. But the, the impact of the mitzvah on yourself and the, reward, on the, and the world, that stays. He says, Midas Hadin, the attribute of justice, would say that if I regret having done a sin, what do I lose? I lose the punishment for having rebelled against God because now I'm a loyal citizen. I no longer am in rebellion. But the impact of the sin, the corruption, the stain, that should remain. Midas Hadin tells me that should remain. What does Chesed, what does kindness and, and, and mercy say? Kindness and mercy says not only... Are you forgiven for the punishment of, that accrues to you for doing a sin in rebelling against Hashem? But the stain is also removed in the immortal words of Shakespeare, out, damn spot. And the spot indeed is out. Right? So I started with Shakespeare this morning. But you see, so there is the concept then of both aspects. So he says, therefore, let me just repeat that, right? Because Rabbi Khan, it's a brilliant answer, right? He says, the Midasadin judgment, justice says, if I regret having done the mitzvah, I lose the reward for listening to God, but I do not lose the impact the mitzvah has had. He says, and therefore, justice would say that if I regret having done a sin, I don't get punished for the sin. The lollipop is... You know, whatever the punishment is. However, the corruption of the soul, that should stay. What does God's kindness tell me? God's chesed, God's kindness, God's mercy and his compassion. Right? The quality of mercy, unstrained, as Shakespeare would say. That quality of mercy, that is something which takes away even the impact and the corruption of the sin as though it never, ever happened. That is true, Midas HaChesed. That is God's kindness. That is God's mercy. And that is Rabbi Hanan Vassman's answer, and I think is very, very beautiful. Not that he needs my agreement. The Sefer HaIkarim, Rabbi Yosef Albo, who precedes the Chafetz Chaim and Rabbi Chanan and the Imre Bina by many, many hundreds of years, Rav Yosef Alba, one of the Rishonim, he actually also addresses this issue a little bit in Sefer Ikrim, source number seven, for those who want to look it up. It's a very, very lengthy piece. I've just really uh, just you know, uh, cut and pasted a few little ideas from there. But he seems to indicate the following. That where is the chesed of Hashem? He says, the chesed of God, the kindness of God is the following. He says, let's say I did something wrong to someone. I offended someone. I hurt someone. And I go over to them and I apologize. And I sincerely apologize and sincerely regret it. Not just because of the punishment, not that type. But I regret it. I sincerely apologize. So now, you've offended me. I forgive you. What's the relationship like now? What would you say? Is it, it, beforehand it was a minus 50. Now I've forgiven you, what should it become? Zero. Neutral. Right? You're back to neutrals, like minus 49 levels of tumor, right, of impurity, 49 levels of impurity, 
I've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. I forgive you. You're now back up to neutral. Now you've got to work on establishing 49 levels of closeness. Correct? That's what you'd expect. That's what Midas Hadin, the attribute of justice, should mean that when I'm forgiven for a sin, my relationship with God has gone back to neutral. Back to zero. No criminal record. On the other hand, I'm not exactly a pillar of the community. Right? So, although sometimes being a pillar of the community does not mean no criminal record. But, okay. Right? So, you've got, so I'm no longer... Uh, it hasn't gone back up there. However... Rusefer Ikrim, Yosef Albo says, you know what he says? When you do tshuva, not only, it does not go to neutral. When a person repents and God forgives them, that person is now beloved by Hashem. That person is not, it's not neutral anymore. Hashem loves that person. He loves the person who's, rep- who's repented. He loves the person who has done tshuva. He loves the person who has made the effort to come closer to him. In fact, his relationship, according to some sources, might be even closer with this person than with someone who never did tshuva. The statement in the Talmud that says that the person who never sinned might not have the same level of love from God as one who sinned and regretted it. He says, that certainly is God's attribute of kindness. That is not justice. Justice says, I should go back to neutral. Kindness says, I'm beloved when I, when I repent. And one more thing. He says, justice doesn't, should not tell me that God helps me. There shouldn't be any help. Right? In other words, the justice of it says that, that if I want to, you know, if, if I want to regret... If I want to make amends, like imagine if I offended you, right? I really hurt you in some way, caused damage, whatever it was. I mean, justice says that if I regret it, maybe you'll forgive me, maybe not. But let's say you'll forgive me. But would you help me in the process of my rehabilitation? That's very unusual. You should help me, you should pay for a therapist, right? You'll send me money to my account so I can pay you back for the damage I caused. I mean, okay? You go to the bank, some guy caused me damage, I go to the bank, I deposit money in his account so he can pay me back. Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense according to justice. But Rabbi Yosef Albo says, isn't there a rule that if you open up an opening in your heart, Hashem says, like the eye of a needle, and I will open up what? Like the, like the doors of a hall. Right? Doors of a hall. So that the 30 people can come in. Right, a huge hall, right, the doors of a hall. So you see, the fact that Hashem helps me, that is Midasach Chesed, that is kindness. The idea that He should help me to make amends for what I did against Him, Siata de Shmaya, the help from heaven that a person gets when they do tshuva, that's Midasach Chesed. That is how it would be safer. So we have now three answers. The Chafetz Chaim, who says, Tshuva me'ahava, is chesed, is kindness, out of love, because it turns the sins into merits. And the very fact that God accepts tshuva meyira, tshuva out of fear of punishment, that in itself is chesed. That's answer number one. Answer number two is Rebbe Chonavassaman, based on the Ramchal, Zerach Hashem, who says there's two components to reward, two components to punishment. Regret for a mitzvah only erases the reward, doesn't erase the impact. Regret for a sin should only erase the punishment, not the impact. Attribute of kindness says that regretting the sin erases not only the punishment but also the impact of it. And the third answer is that of the Sefer Ikrim, Rabbi Yosef Albo, who says that there are two components of kindness here. Component number one is you don't just go back to neutral, you become beloved, you become ahuv, 
you become closer to Hashem than you were before. And secondly, that Hashem helps you to make amends for what you did against Him, that certainly is kindness. The final answer, or not, I mean, this is not an exhaustive list, I'm sure there are other answers out there, but the final answer that I found to this is the answer of Rav Yitzhak Hutner in the Pachad Yitzhak. Very, very beautiful answer, very poetic. It's in, for those who want to look it up, it's in Rosh Hashanah. I don't have it on my CD-ROM, so I didn't put it on the diagram, because there's no way I'm going to type it out. Right, so, Maimar Ches, in Maimar Ches, Maimar 8, of Pachad Yitzhak on Rosh Hashanah. And he says the following, if you look at the last source I have, number 8, we are told, as God says, I, give, I bring this testimony to you, the heavens and earth, Right. I've placed before you life and death. Blessing and curse. You shall choose life. So you and your children shall live. We find in the Torah that fulfillment of the mitzvahs, fulfillment of the Torah is described many, many times as chayim, life. It is life to those who find them. God planted eternal life in our midst. And departure from the Torah, transgression of the Torah, is described as the opposite of life. So Rav Hutner says the following. In order for life to exist, life needs to be sustained. It needs food. It needs hydration. It needs oxygen. Right? Life needs parnasa, it needs something to, to sustain it. He says the soul's life, for the soul to be alive, to live through the mitzvahs, requires that the soul, that the person recognize the value of those mitzvahs. And when the person recognizes the value of those mitzvahs, has emuna, has belief in their value, that is like food for the soul. He says, the person who did mitzvahs their entire life and at the end of their life they regret them, what have they done? He says, they've starved their soul to death. Because they no longer believe in the value of what they did. And if they no longer believe in the value of what they did, then their soul is no longer receiving its source of life. And hence it expires, it dies. It's gone. So he says, the idea that someone regrets having done mitzvahs, and he says, therefore, they lose the merit, he says, is not that they are being punished. It's rather they've removed from themselves the source of life of the mitzvahs. It's like they stopped eating. If a person stops eating, God forbid, they'll die. He said, to go from life to death because you've stopped eating, is that mitzvah or mitzvah In other words, is that nature or is that supernature? He says, life to death is nature. It is the normal progression of events. If a person lacks the sustenance, the sources of life, they'll die. If the soul no longer has emuna, belief, be'erchan, shel ha-mitzvahs, as Rafutin puts it, in the value of the mitzvahs, the soul dies. He loses his merit. It's going from life to death. That's normal. He says, however... The person who engaged in sin, the person who engaged in sin, their soul was dead. Rushaim b'chayehem nikru'umesim, the evil, even when they're alive, they're called dead. They're the living dead. And what is their soul consuming? 
Their soul is consuming death. To put it into a terminology from a more modern work of so-called literature, they are death eaters. Right? The person, right? but the person who has been consuming a virus, has been doing sin, that's basically their death. For them, when they've regretted it, and they do tshuva, they are going from death to life. Rafutna says the transition from life to death, that's midasadin. That is nature. That's justice. But a transition from death to life? Is that midasadin? Is that nature? Is that justice? Or is that chesed, kindness, rachamim, mercy, and a nace, a miracle? Rav Hutna says it's a miracle. So he says, he says, you know what? The question of Ochanan doesn't even start. You can't compare the two. You cannot compare. To go from mitzvahs and regretting the mitzvahs and rejecting them is going from life to death. That's a normal path. That's natural. That's justice. But if, you, if the person was living in the sphere of death, they didn't choose life. They chose the opposite. And now they regret that choice. And now they regret what they did. That God should give them life. That's God, That's tchiyas amesim. That's resurrection of the dead. That's chesed. That's kindness. That's rachamim. That's mercy. And he says that is God's love. That is not God's justice. That's how, uh, to me, when I saw Rafutna's answer, all the others, to a certain degree, I said, what do you need them for? It's such a, but the others also teach us elements of truth about the process of tshuva. They teach us elements about this process, and they are valuable lessons in themselves. But Rafutna's answer, I think, is the most wonderful answer, that we are involved in tshuva, in going from death to life, in a process of tchiyas amesim, and uh, we should be zoicher through the process of tshuva, let us as the, all the prophets prophesied the Jewish people would do tshuva and when we do tshuva we indeed go not just from death to life on an individual level but we should also be zoicher we should merit to go from death to life on a natural on a national level and be zoicher to be as Mashiach to to the coming of the Mashiach Amen speedily in our days Shana Tavata everyone